0: AJ, he said, thanks for clarifying. I'm closing the registration window now. Um, you wouldn't believe how many people that we talk to, that we, that we um, get, get messages from or talk to live in meetings that are battling discouragement. It's so common now. It's mind-blowing to me. It's so common that the enemy is trying to use discouragement to take people out. And, um, you know, there's people that are in the midst of their purpose, engaging their purpose, and rather than, uh, running their race to finish their course, the devil is trying to tempt them or trick them into quitting through discouragement, trying to discourage them to the point that they feel like nothing that they're doing matters. Nothing that they're doing is working. And the devil's been working very hard to discourage God's people. And um, today's going to help anybody like that. And if you know anyone like that, this would be the perfect video to send them because I'm going to give you five things to do right now that will help you defeat discouragement for good. And these are ongoing things that will help you defeat discouragement for good. Um, And just like anything else, it's like, it's an ongoing process where you have to Keep these disciplines in place. It's just like anything else. It's just like a a healthy diet for your body. Uh, Anything that you're doing. If you're working out at the gym, you can't work out one time, right? And then expect it to work forever. It's something you got to continually do. You got to make it, make these habits. Good morning, Virginia and Tim. Love you guys. So I, um, I want to deal with this five things that you can put into place right now and keep them in place that will literally protect you from discouragement, to keep you from being discouraged and to be destroyed by discouragement. Do not, let me just encourage you right at the top of the video, do not quit what God's called you to do. First of all, you're anointed. You're called. You have a purpose. Don't quit doing what God's called you to do. Don't stop moving forward. Don't stop moving forward. And so I want to give you this today, five biblical things that are going to help you to stay out of discouragement and to stay motivated to continue doing what God's called you to do. And, uh, and these are all found in scripture and I'm going to break it down for you and we're going to go deep. Hey, Jeff, good to see you. Love you guys. Hey, Canada crusade. I don't even know what interview you're talking about, but I pray God opens doors for you. And I believe that the Canada crusade is going to be powerful. And I think you're said you're doing it in Alberta. I pray that it's, uh, powerful that many souls come in. Canada needs a revival. And uh, I thank God for people that are working. I just saw that my cousin Jessica and her husband, Pastor Steve, opened a brand new location for their church in Vancouver uh, in British Columbia. So that's very, very exciting. And um, Canada is going to be impacted by the power of the Holy Ghost and going to have a great revival in Jesus' name. Um, So let's jump in. Five things you can do right now. Um, I don't want this by any means to sound um, cliché. You know, you say, well, you know, if you're really battling something, just pray about it. I'm not talking about in the cliche way, but number one, and please put the points and the verses in the comments for me. Number one, this is not a cliche. There's actually a functionality to this. Pray, but specifically pray in tongues, pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in tongues. This is number one. To defeat discouragement on a daily basis, first of all, Christians aren't praying in the spirit often enough. And I want you to go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter fourteen. Christians uh, are not praying in the spirit often enough. Pray in tongues, not not just pray. Pray in pray in tongues, and I'm going to tell you why in a minute. There's a functionality to praying in tongues that the Bible speaks about that will keep discouragement away from you it'll keep discouragement away from you pray in tongues more often than you have been pray in tongues more often than you have been if i've ever been around any great men of god if we're riding in a car or just out if they have downtime, i will see that they're just praying in the spirit even under their breath you know brother hegan used to do that you get in a car to go somewhere with them they're just be on the drive and he just start praying in the spirit praying in tongues under his breath, just praying in the Holy Ghost whenever he got a chance. And men of God that are uh, powerful men of God, those that are walking in victory, they're people that pray in the Spirit. They pray in the Spirit. Um, And you say, why do you say pray in the Spirit, not just pray? Because of what Paul taught the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 14. And and I want to get into it with you and and talk to you about why it works. The Bible says, uh, and i'm going to start reading with verse 1 and we're going to go all the way to verse 4 okay 1st corinthians 14 1 through 4 listen to this pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts especially that you may prophesy for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to god for no one understands him for he utters mysteries In the spirit, verse three, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Now look at verse four, though. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, of course, if you've studied this passage, you know Paul is speaking to the Corinthians in regards to a public church assembly. And he is promoting prophecy over speaking in tongues in a public assembly so that everyone who's in the church service can be encouraged, built up, edified, etc. But he's saying one who speaks in tongues encourages or edifies himself personally or herself personally, but one who prophesies is building everybody up. Why? Because everybody can understand what's being said. But when you speak in tongues, unless there's an interpretation, no one can understand what's being said. But he makes the point that when you speak in tongues, you are personally being built up, edified, encouraged. Different translations use different words here. Uh, I believe the King James uses edified, or uh, we could look at it, but it means the same thing here. He builds up, notice how he says it here in the ESV, one who speaks in a tongue builds up or edifies himself. And so when you pray in the Holy Ghost, one of the things you're doing is you're stirring yourself up, you're edifying yourself, encouraging yourself in the Lord. Now, just so you don't think that this is just some random thing, uh, Paul makes the point that <clears throat> he personally prays in the Spirit very often. Now that's the, uh, the example of the Apostle Paul, that he prays in the Spirit very often. And in fact, he says, I actually pray in tongues or pray in the Spirit more than all of you do in this same chapter. He said, I pray in the Spirit more than all of you do. So he's not, he's not by any means minimizing Spirit prayer or praying in tongues. He's not minimizing that. You got to keep in mind, he's speaking in regards to a public church assembly and to have orderly church services, not disorderly ones where there's confusion. God's not the author of confusion. So what we can take out of this is, number one, he reveals that when you pray in tongues, you are building yourself up, building yourself up. And he reveals, I actually pray in tongues more than all of you do. So we can, we can understand from his own confession that he spent a lot of time praying in the spirit, spent a lot of time praying in the spirit. And then of course, if you go to the book of Jude, which there's only one chapter, but you go to the 20th verse, the Bible says, but you beloved building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy ghost, praying in the Holy ghost. So when you pray in the Holy ghost. The Bible says in Jude, you're building up your most holy faith. And in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, you're building yourself up. And I believe one of the reasons that Christians so often face discouragement is because they're not spending enough time praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. In fact, all of these great men of God, you go back, whether it be Brother Hagin, Lester Sumrall, you go through all of them, A.A. Allen, Brother Shambaugh go through the ages, Smith Wigglesworth. These were men that spent time praying in tongues, praying in tongues. And I'm encouraging you to do the same. Praying in tongues is not just for some people. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, it's not just God's desire for some people. I believe, according to scripture, it's his desire for all believers, for all believers. And so um, as you do that, according to scripture, you are encouraging yourself in the Lord. You're building yourself up or edifying yourself. And I'm telling you, if that's something that the enemy has used to come against you, discouragement, spend time praying in the Holy ghost. You know, I give you this, um, cut, cut excess stuff out, right? Um, cut the excess stuff out. If you're on the way to work, and and you normally listen to the morning show or you're listening to music or whatever you're doing, turn it off, maybe just throw some worship music on in the background and pray in tongues all the way to work. Pray in tongues all the way home. I read a statistic that says we spend a full 40 hour work week in the car going to and from work at the end of a year. 40 hours on average, going to and from work for the whole year. Imagine if you spent that whole 40 hours Just praying in the Holy Ghost. What would change in your life? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And then you set time aside. That's why if you read the book that I wrote on fasting and prayer, um, I described my prayer time to you just as an example. Um, I like to do, to to make it easy to remember, uh, we called it a Thanksgiving and praise sandwich. Remember that. And if you read 1 Corinthians, you'll know that praying in tongues is actually a form of thanksgiving. Paul, Paul tells us that. Praying in tongues is a form of thanksgiving. And he says, um, you might be thanking God well enough, but those that hear you will not be able to say amen. And if you're looking for that reference, it's 1 Corinthians 14 verses 15 and 16 and 17 as well. He says this, what am I to do? I'll pray with my spirit, but I'll pray with my mind also. I'll sing praise with my spirit, but I'll sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, that's praying in tongues he's referencing, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he doesn't know what you're saying? But look at verse 17. For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person's not being built up. So when you pray in tongues, you are actually giving thanks. It's a form of thanksgiving. So if you read the book that I did on, on a uh, complete guide to prayer and fasting, um, one of the things I deal with in the book is that when I pray a lot of times I'll start, if I'm going to take an hour to pray, I'll start by spending the first 15 minutes of that hour praying in tongues. And then I'll move right into thanking God and praising God in my native language, English for the things he's already done. And then in the middle I'll make my requests known unto God, things I'm believing for, things I'm asking him for. I'll pray kingdom prayers that God'd strengthen the church worldwide, God would strengthen his ministers, and then I'll finish by thanking and praising God for what he's going to do in the future. But understand the reason I start by praying in tongues is because I understand it is a form of thanksgiving according to Paul. It's a form of thanksgiving and it stirs my faith up and it builds me up personally. Hallelujah. Love you, Jordan. And so number one, if you're battling discouragement, pray in the Holy Ghost. Until you feel the power of God overtake your dead flesh. And you can sense it. I mean, when you talk about encouraging yourself, I mean, how many of you, you've you've been there before where you've prayed in the spirit to the point where you feel the encouragement of God come upon you. And I know we don't go by how we feel, but it's nice to feel it sometimes, the encouragement of the Lord. And you've, how many of you have been in that position where you've prayed in the Spirit to the point where you can sense the encouragement of God come on your spirit or in your, in your mind, you feel peace, you feel joy come upon you. I've had it many, many times, many, many times. So pray in the Holy Spirit and do what Paul said and edify yourself and also give thanks to God through praying in the Spirit. That's number one. So if you're battling discouragement, pray in the Holy Ghost. Look at all those answers. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. That's right. <laughs> AJ said, I usually feel like I can punch through a steel door after praying in the Holy Ghost. Don't try it, but you can feel like it. Or as David said, I could run through a troop and leap over a wall. Brother Shambach used to say, You know what? Sometimes you feel so good, you feel like you could leap over the troop and run through the wall. <laughs> And you feel it, you feel the encouragement of God come upon you. And so, pray in the Holy Ghost. Um, Next, the, the next thing that you need to do, and it kinda ties in, is even in your own native language, right? Thank and praise God. Thank and praise God. Hallelujah. Yes, we need to pray in tongues more, but let me tell you, we need to also daily be thanking and praising god that's of course that's a commanded if you read psalm 150 you'll know that we are commanded we don't just praise god when we feel like it we are commanded to praise god listen to psalm 150 praise the lord praise god in his sanctuary praise him in his mighty heavens praise him for his mighty deeds praise him according to his excellent greatness, right? And then it talks about praising him with instruments. Um, I want want to say that because I once heard somebody say, well, you know, brother, I don't praise God for what he does. I just praise him for who he is. That sounds really holy, sounds really pious, but it's not scriptural, right? Here in Psalm 150, we are specifically commanded to praise him for what? His According, of, number one, for his mighty deeds, and number two, according to his excellent greatness. So I will praise him not only for who he is, but also praise him for what he has done and what he's going to do. Amen. Praise him for what he has done and for what he's going to do, for his mighty deeds and according to his excellent greatness. Amen. Amen. And so what, what, what am I saying here? You can't separate who he is from what he does. He is what he does. In fact, if you're taking notes or if you could write this in the comments, put it in. God is what he does. That's a powerful revelation to get. God is what he does. He only does what it is his nature to do, right? So he is what he does. Let me give you an example of that. Even his names in the Old Testament came from what he does, right? We call him Jehovah Jireh. What does that mean? God is my provider. God the provider. Jehovah Rapha. I am the God who heals you. He is what he does. Jehovah Shalom. He is the God who brings you or gives you peace that passes all understanding. God is what he does. You can't separate who he is from what he does. That's why we praise him for his mighty deeds and according to his excellent greatness, because he is what he does, hallelujah. He is what he does. So we thank him, not only for what he has done, for what he's going to do, and we praise him, not only for what he has done, what he's going to do, and for who he is, and for who he is. And I'm gonna tell you why that's so powerful. When you start doing that, The Bible says in Isaiah 61 that God has given us a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And I'm gonna tell you something, you know as well as I do, the enemy is trying hard to put a spirit of heaviness on this generation. We have more people by ratio than ever before taking antidepressant medication, more than ever before in the history of the world. Of course, I know that there, there, there wasn't always antidepressant medication. But as long as there has been antidepressants, we now have more people by ratio. Because I'm not just saying because the population of the earth has grown. By ratio, one out of every four people in America now takes an antidepressant. The highest ratio ever. 25%. Do you realize there are more people, this is a crazy statistic, there are more people depressed now than during the Great Depression. (laughs) How can you be more depressed than during the Great Depression? The enemy's trying to use discouragement and depression to take people out more than ever before. And that's why I'm telling you, God's given us a garment of praise, Isaiah 61, for what? The spirit of heaviness. So that spirit of heaviness has to come off you as you begin to put on the garment of praise. Notice that you've got to put it on. It's not something automatic. You've got to put it on daily. I praise God daily. I thank God daily. And as I do, the spirit of heaviness has to leave me. It cannot come on me, it cannot come on you, it has to leave you. So daily we thank God, daily we praise God. And let me tell you, there's an extra blessing that comes through Thanksgiving. I remember reading the story, and I'm sure you remember it as well, But do you remember the story of the 10 lepers that Jesus cleansed in Luke 17? And the Bible says they came to him literally risking their lives to see if he would heal them. Because they were breaking the law of Moses. And the Bible says, they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And he said, go and show yourself to the priests. And And as they went, they were cleansed. But notice this, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet and giving him thanks. You see that? It's powerful. And Jesus said, were there not 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? He didn't answer that. He didn't answer that question. But notice this. And he said to him, rise and go your way for your faith has made you whole. Now, all the commentaries that I've read, the scholars that I've read said, it seems as though this one man received an additional blessing beyond what the other nine received. All of them were cleansed, but this man was made whole. This man was made whole, and you've heard me teach on it before, leprosy is a a flesh-eating disease. Is it possible that Jesus allowed him to recover the parts of his body that may have been lost and went away whole, went away with his toes, his fingers? Maybe he lost uh, portions of skin from his arms or legs, but is it possible that through his thanksgiving and his praise, he had what restored to him, what was lost? Whatever it was, there was an additional blessing that came upon this man because of his thanksgiving and praise. Glory to God. Glory to God. And so I'm telling you, get ready. As you thank and praise God, things are going to change. Things are going to change in your life. There is power. Let me tell you, I've quoted it so many times. I'll quote it again. I'll never stop quoting it. Psalm 1611, in his presence is fullness of joy. Let me tell you, that'll drive discouragement right out of your life, fullness of joy. And when you praise God, it activates his presence right where you are because he inhabits the praises of Israel, Psalm 22, three. As you praise him, you activate his presence and in his presence, fullness of joy. You talk about driving discouragement out of your life. I remember, if you've heard me ever tell the story of when I was in high school, My friend was in a bad car accident. That's exactly what happened to me. I was worried. He was one of my best friends. Went to the hospital. He's in a coma. I'm in the waiting room with all the other students from the high school that came to see him. And I'm just getting angry. I'm going back and forth in the waiting room. But I started praying in tongues. And as I'm praying in tongues, I could feel that encouragement building up. It was like the anointing was flowing right up out of me. I could feel the encouragement come, and I could feel the urgency to pray for him come. I started to thank and praise God for uh, the fact that he was a healer, that he was uh, going to uh, touch my friend. And I'm telling you, I got to the place I couldn't stay in the waiting room anymore. I literally went right, made a beeline for the ICU, straight back. Nurses tried to stop me. I'll turn and look, and they did not stop me. They said, go ahead, go, just go. I went back there and laid hands on that boy. And the next morning, even though he was in a severe coma, they said that he may never come out of, the next morning he was out with no memory loss, with no motor skill damage, none of those things. No, no after effects of that brain trauma that he had from the car accident. And I'm going to tell you what put me in that position, praying in the Holy Ghost and thanking and praising God. I could not stop. I could not. I felt the anointing just <clears throat> bubbling up out of me. doesn't give you more anointing. doesn't give you more faith. Bible says it stirs up your faith. It stirs up your faith. It gets you ready for action. One of the things that I tell people, it's like when you play sports, you don't just jump into a game, you stretch out and then you warm up. What are you doing? You're getting your muscles ready for action. Same with your faith. Pray in the Holy Ghost, thank and praise God. You're getting your faith ready for action. Hallelujah. And I'm gonna tell you. <clears throat> makes all the difference in the world to pray in the Holy Ghost. And thank and praise God. You're in fullness of joy and fullness of strength at the same time. Causes discouragement to run out the door of your life. Amen. I feel the anointing on that. Number three, the third thing you can do to get discouragement out of your life is begin to bless and help other people. Begin to bless and help other people. Stop focusing on you. Start focusing on others. Bless And help other people that'll help you bless and help other people that's number three the more you start to focus on your purpose doing what God's called you to do for somebody else the encouragement comes through the fulfillment of your purpose the encouragement comes through the fulfillment of your purpose bless and help other people let me read to you um Proverbs chapter 11, and um, I'm going to read it to you in a couple of different translations here. Proverbs chapter 11 in the ESV and in the NLT. Listen to this. Uh, I'm going to read you verses. I'm actually just going to read you verse 25. Proverbs eleven twenty-five. 25. Get this in your spirit. The ESV. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. Listen to the NLT. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Glory to God. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. You get that in your spirit. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others, those who water others, will themselves be watered, will themselves be refreshed. If I want that to come into my life, I need to start sowing it into somebody else's life. Help somebody else. Refresh them. Encourage them. Remember this. Everything's a seed. Everything is a seed. I don't care what it is. We talk about seed sowing and most people just start thinking about money. It's beyond money everything's a seed. Everything's a seed. That's why the Apostle Paul said to the Galatians, whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. Whatever he sows, doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter what it is. That's why Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged. You start judging others, you're going to be judged. If you're kind to others, you'll reap a harvest of kindness. If you walk in peace, You'll reap a harvest of peace. <laughs> Amen. Everything's a seed. You sow finances, you're going to get finances. You, sh- you sow friendship, you're going to get friends. You will reap what you sow, the exact thing. So if you want to be refreshed, if you want to be encouraged, encourage others. Help others. Bless others. You watch what happens. The more you do it, the more joy flows, the more discouragement goes. Joy flows and discouragement goes as you begin to refresh and help and bless other people. That's what the proverb is saying here. Whoever refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. That's gonna be your story. You know, one of the things the devil loves to do is to try to get us introverted, he tries to get us to focus only on us. And we got every cameras turned toward us in this selfie generation and that we forget the needs of others, we forget about our purpose, we forget about our anointing and what it's there for. And as a result, everything's so inwardly focused that we miss out on doing what we're anointed to do. I'll tell you this, when I've seen other, even those that are in the ministry, when I've seen them start missing out on what they're called to do and start getting discouraged, I notice something that they start getting involved in doing things they were never called to do, which means now they're expending energy on things that if God didn't call him to do it, now you're just burning yourself out. Don't call everything ministry. Don't call everything ministry that you do if you're a minister. Because not everything's ministry. Ministry is ministry. If you're ministering to people, that's ministry. Paperwork is not ministry. Amen. Dealing with expense reports is not ministry. Talking to contractors is not ministry. Unless you're ministering to them. But when people, that's why delegation is so needed. Here's just a pro tip for those that are watching me. Maybe you are a minister. Here's a pro tip. This is why why delegation is so needed. That's why we see the picture, the same thing in the book of Acts. Is because if you don't delegate, if you're doing everything, you will end up getting burnt out. You will end up getting discouraged. Because you're not called to do everything. You're not called to do everything. What did the apostles say? We're not called to wait tables. Look at the book of Acts. Church is growing. There's now fighting about who's getting food and who's not getting food and all that. And you know what the apostles said? Let's raise up some other men that can do this work. What are they doing? Delegating it. Raise them up. They'll be trustworthy. They're anointed men. Raise them up to do it so that what? We can be given to prayer and the word. To what? Prayer and the word. We're not called to do everything not called to do it. And everything's not ministry. And everybody says, well, you know, the ministry has got me busy. Most people that I hear say that it's not the ministry that's got them busy. busy, It's the business of ministry, which could be delegated, which could be delegated. And that way you're not burnt out running in 19 different directions. And one, I feel just so discouraged. There's so much, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to get the word. That's your own fault that you don't have time to pray and get in the word because you've not properly delegated. Or had the faith to bring somebody on your team that can help do what you've called, what you're called to do, but now you delegate it to them. I'm just so burnt out from the ministry. Now you're not burnt out from the ministry. Actually, that refreshes you. I've noticed this when I'm engaged in doing the thing that um, God's anointed me to do. When I'm done preaching, when I'm done praying for people, when I'm done doing this broadcast teaching you, I'm stirred up in my spirit. I don't feel burnout. I don't, I don't finish this broadcast every day for an hour and something and say, man, I'm so burnt out. I got to go home. Just rest for three hours. No, I feel stirred up to ready to go do when I'm done preaching. I feel stirred up when I'm done laying hands on people. I feel stirred up. Takes me forever to get to sleep at night because that's the ministry that I'm called to. That's what I'm anointed to do. Amen. Not deal with contractors and expense reports and that stuff has to be done, but we're not called to do everything. And a lot of times, one of the reasons that people get burnt out and discouraged because they're doing a bunch of stuff God didn't call them to do. Take a note from the apostles and delegate some things and just do what God's called you to do. Amen. Number four, let me give you these last two. This is going to help you. You want to defeat discouragement? Number four, fill yourself with God's word. Fill yourself with God's word. I'm going to give you some verses right here, probably about three or four of them that are going to show you this, that the word of God will destroy the enemies that are being sent against you. The word of God destroys the enemies that are sent against your mind, your body, your spirit, destroys them. I'm going to show you from the word of God. Now, if we read Paul's description of the armor of God, the word of God is the sword of the spirit. So it is in your hand to fight battles. The word of God is in your hand to fight battles. I say this often, I'm gonna say it again. If all God wanted to do was to simply protect us or keep us protected from the attacks of the enemy, all he would have given us was the armor and the shield. There's no need for a sword if you're not going to be fighting. If you're just protecting yourself, all you need is armor and a shield. But God didn't stop with armor and a shield. God put a sword in your hand because he's called you to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. So you're called to fight, not just called to protect, you're called to fight. You'll quench every fiery dart of the wicked one with the shield of faith, But you don't stop just protecting or quenching. Then you fight. You fight with the word of God. You fight with the sword of the spirit. And it goes out. You're on the offense, not just the defense. And so, um, number one, I want you to look with me. Jeremiah chapter 15. Here's the first one. Fill yourself with the word. Why? Look at Jeremiah 15, 16. Again, Jeremiah 15, 16. Jeremiah said, your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. I found your word, I ate it, and the words became to me a joy. They became to me a joy. They became to me a joy. When you ingest the Word of God, there's a supernatural joy attached to God's Word that it builds you up. It encourages you. This Word is, remember this, Jesus spoke this. John 6, 63. He said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So this isn't like any other book. This isn't like any other writing. This is inspired, and really, if you want to know the truth about it, The word should be expired. This is expired. It's not, God didn't breathe this in, he breathed it out. Expiration, not inspiration. The writers were inspired, but God breathed it out. He expired it. Theonustos is the Greek word. It means breathed out. God breathed his word out and it's why it carries power. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So when you take this word into you, What are you taking in? Spiritual life. Spiritual life. The words that I speak unto you. Remember something. Jesus is not just talking about the words in red in your Bible. Just the words Jesus spoke. All of the words are the words Jesus spoke. He is the word made flesh. He existed in the beginning with God. All of this word is him. The word of God. Jesus is the word of God. All things that were created were created through him, and without him was nothing created that was created. Read John chapter one. This, all of it is God's word. And when you take it in, guess what? Spiritual life is going into your spirit. Whew, glory to God. Spiritual life. That's what Jeremiah is saying. I found your words. I ingested it. It became joy and rejoicing to my, to my soul, to my spirit. Look at Proverbs four. Here's the next one. Proverbs four 20 through 22. You ready? Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. Look what else the word will do. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart for they are life to those that find them and healing to all their flesh. Healing to all their flesh. The word of God goes into you, becomes life and healing. Bible says Jesus sent his word and it healed the centurion's servants. Speak the word only and my servants shall be made whole. Speak the word only. Psalm 107 verse 20, our ministry theme verse. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. The word has a healing and deliverance power encapsulated within it. That's what the word of God does. It carries power because it's alive. It is living. It is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Hebrews 4.12. Let me give you one more. Actually, two more. Joshua 1. All Joshua had was the law. That's all the word he had back then. But listen to how powerful just the law was. Joshua 1 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you'll meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do. According to all that's written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. What brings prosperity and success? The word of God in your spirit, in your heart, in your mind, meditating on it day and night. And then finally, I'll take you to Acts chapter 20. And Paul is addressing the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20. Let me read you verse 32. Acts 20, 32. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Notice the word of God is able to build you up. To do what? To build you up. Isn't that what we've been talking about today? Defeating discouragement. The word of God will build you up. Not just praying in tongues not just thanking and praising, not just blessing other people. Ingest the word of God and let it build you up and give you the inheritance that you've been promised. The word of God gives me my inheritance. Let me tell you, one of those things that's in my inheritance is peace that passes all understanding. One of them is a joy that's overflowing. Hallelujah. It's part of my inheritance. It's part of my inheritance. I'm not called to suffer uh, in, in the way that Sinners are suffering. I'm not called to walk in depression, I'm not called to walk in anxiety. No. No. I am called to walk in joy, I'm called to walk in peace. Amen. Healing, strength. That's my portion. That's your portion in Jesus' name. And so fill yourself with the mighty Word of God and be built up. And be built up. It, give, it builds you up and gives you your inheritance. Hallelujah. The final thing is this, <clears throat> number five. Very interesting, actually. Um, I'm just going to have you write one thing in and I'm going to read to you what I mean by it. <laughs> if you want to dis- defeat discouragement, I'll explain it in a minute. If you want to defeat discouragement, laugh every day. And I don't mean you have to watch a funny movie. I, don't, I was reading a, an article today. This blew my mind. And really, number five, when I say laugh in parentheses, you could put, take authority over your flesh. Take authority over your flesh. So what do you mean by that? I'll tell you what I mean by it. Number one, I was reading this article that your body does not know the difference, does not know the difference between if you're fake laughing or actually laughing. Your body doesn't know the difference. And so I was reading this article um, that was talking about, uh, first of all, what happens to your body when you laugh? I thought it was very interesting. What happens to your body when you laugh? (laughs) They write in the article, laughter has been said to ease chronic pain as it stimulates endorphins, endorphins being the body's natural painkiller, much like that of opioids, throughout the brain and nervous system, releasing tension, also making room for more oxygen to flow throughout the body's bloodstream, deepening the sense of reprieve, relief, and relaxation. Laughing heals. And this is not written by Christians, by the way. There's actually curse words in this article. Laughing heals as even considered a a therapy for those seeking better life. Uh, There's actually something, I didn't even know this. There's something called laughter therapy. That makes me laugh. Laughter therapy. It says even if you pretend to laugh, that your body does not know the difference between real laughter and fake laughter. Which means if God called you to be in joy and he's the one that designed your body He's the one that that orchestrated what is released in your body when you laugh or when you walk in joy. God's the one that orchestrated that. Not scientists, not not psychologists, but God. And so it releases, according to this, it releases endorphins into your your body. And I I find that's interesting that this article is saying here, your body doesn't know. Your body doesn't know. And then here's the other thing. that's so funny there's something actually called laughter yoga i've never, I've never heard of this uh laughter heals you this article says um <laughs> you're cracking me up i'm so interested by this because we talk about this in other uh applications right we talk about this when it comes to praise You know, you don't feel like praising God all the time, right? You don't feel like praising God. You don't feel like praying. You don't feel like reading the Bible. You don't feel like going to church. Your flesh does not feel like doing a lot of the spiritual disciplines that you're supposed to be doing. Your flesh doesn't feel like doing it. But what do you do? You do it anyway because you're taking control over your flesh nature. Why would this be any different? When we know that Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Proverbs 17, the Bible says, a merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. So literally, if your body doesn't, if you know that it's actually good for you, if it's actually releasing the things God created it to release, you know, I used to hear brother Hagen say that sometimes I just laugh at the devil. I just laugh at the devil and he would just, you know, you ever, if you ever listen to brother Kenneth Hagin, he would do like ha 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 (laughs) if you did it, you know, he'd sit there and just do it like that. I mean, I'm sure that's not, I've heard him actually laugh, you know, into his Bible school. I've heard him actually laugh. He doesn't laugh like that in real life, you know, ha ha ha, (laughs) but I, I'd see that I'd hear him, hear him do that. I just laugh at the devil. Ha ha ha. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. And literally, I used to sit there, but I'd, I'd see the Holy Ghost break out. People start laughing in the, in, the, in the Holy Ghost. But let me tell you, if you can do that, I mean, if you can fake laugh at somebody's dumb joke at an office party because you don't want to offend them, you can laugh at home when nobody's around. You know what I mean? Even if nothing's funny, you can just sit there and ha 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 ha. That's fake. It's totally fake. That's not a real laugh. I mean, it's a real laugh, but I don't, you know, it's not because something's funny. Just make yourself laugh. Sit there and laugh. The same way you make yourself pray, you make yourself fast, you make yourself praise, you make yourself pray in tongues, you make yourself go to church, you make yourself read the word. Self-control. In the moments when you feel discouraged, in the moments when you feel like quitting, sit there and take a laugh break. Like literally, like you could take a praise break, take a laugh break. Sit there and just laugh. Sit there and just laugh. Take... I challenge you to sit there for five straight minutes, Five. put a timer on your phone. Seriously, I challenge you to do this today. Put a timer on your phone. I don't even know if your body can handle it. It's like, it's, it's actually takes work to laugh. You're like abs are hurting at the end. And then you, and then you sit there and la- take five minutes, put the timer on and sit there and laugh, sit there and laugh like it's do the best fake laugh you've got. Don't do the ha ha ha. Do the best, fake laugh that you've got Tiff. I'm going to finish today with the, uh, the, the Kenneth Hagin joy video that we have in there saved the, the laughter and the joy move of the spirit video. Um, but just take, I mean, literally take five minutes, put it on your phone and then just laugh, just laugh in the Holy ghost, you know, cause it'll come on you. It's like Stacy was saying, I'll, I'll start fake laughing. It turns into real laughter. Just laugh, just sit there and laugh. So what am I laughing about? I'll tell you what you can laugh about. Laugh about the fact that the devil's a liar, that whatever he has said about you, whatever he's trying to make you believe that is contrary to the written word of God, sit there and laugh in his ugly face that if he told you that you're coming to an end, thank God you've got many years left. If he told you you're gonna fail in what you're called to do, just sit there and laugh and thank God that you cannot fail, that God's with you, that he'll never leave you, never forsake you, and that he'll help you to do what you're called to do. I mean, whatever the devil's try to get you to believe, that you're gonna lose out, that you're gonna go bankrupt, that you're gonna be fired, whatever it might be, sit there and laugh and laugh and laugh. Just laugh at the devil. Laugh at every negative report. You know, that's when I was reading Numbers 14, and you sit there and read what, these, what, what, what happened when the negative report came back from the promised land, literally, they should have just laughed at that. They should have laughed at the negative report. They should have sat there and mocked and laughed at it. What do you mean we're, we're grasshoppers in their sight and in our sight? What do you mean we're not able? What do you mean it's not? No, and then laugh. No, no, we're well able to take the land. Let's go up at once and take it. Giants don't have any, they don't have any business being in our promised land. And just laugh and laugh. And laugh and when I tell you take authority over your flesh I mean put that flesh under I feel discouraged today laugh anyway laugh and make that flesh do what it's supposed to do don't sit around and be discouraged and don't feed your discouragement don't there's people that feed their discouragement you say what do you mean by that people get into a certain mood they put on certain music don't put on music that feeds your discouragement Don't put on shows and movies that feed your discouragement. Don't hang around with people that feed your discouragement. Stop feeding what you're trying to get away from. Let me me say this and put it in the comments like this uh, because the alliteration will help you. Stop feeding what you're fleeing. Stop feeding what you're fleeing. If I'm trying to flee discouragement, if I'm trying to flee depression, stop feeding what you're fleeing. Put that in the comments and never forget it. People feed it all the time, well I'm depressed. Well look at the music you listen to. Look at at the people you hang out, look what you watch. Look at the shows you watch, look at the, stop fleeing, stop feeding what you're fleeing. Stop feeding what you're fleeing. You're not called to feed your discouragement and to feed your depression and to feed your anxiety, stop that and start feeding your joy start feeding your peace stop feed start feeding your victory with the proper fuel amen we were just camping for the week in Wyoming you know if you're trying it's it was cold you know it was cold for me anyway not for them i got pastor jordan eric up there in shorts and flip-flops it's like 49 degrees and we're trying to get the fire going well if i'm trying to get a hot fire what do i feed it more wood more wood more wood you don't feed it water i'm not trying to put the fire out you don't feed it sand i'm not trying to stop it i'm trying to get it hotter what do i feed feed it the right thing I'm trying to get warm feed it more wood they probably laughed at me got the fire going like a mini bonfire because i'm cold because i'm from florida i got now i got thin blood <clears throat> and so what do you feed it you feed it the fuel that, that, that causes it to go to where you want it to be. I'm not feeding it water, I'm not feeding it sand. I'm trying to get that thing going. So if I've got joy that I'm believing for, if I got peace I'm believing for, if I got victory I'm believing for, guess what? I'm gonna find joy fuel, peace fuel, victory fuel, and feed myself that until I see what I want. Until I see what I'm believing for. So don't, stop feeding what you're fleeing. Stop feeding what you're fleeing. If you're battling that today, I'm going to pray that the Lord would touch you. If you're battling discouragement, if you're battling anxiety, if you're battling fear and panic attacks, if you're battling depression, I'm going to pray for you today. God's going to touch you. And then put these into effect immediately and watch what changes quickly. Watch how that thing has to leave you supernaturally because you're obeying the Word of God. Father, I pray now for all that are listening on the podcast, all that are watching, whether live or on the replay. And Father, today, I ask you to fill them with an overwhelming supernatural joy. The joy of the Holy Ghost. Not natural joy, supernatural joy. Fill them today to overflowing. We take authority over discouragement. We refuse to be discouraged. We refuse to quit. We refuse to step outside of our purpose. We will continue pressing in to do what you've called us to do until Jesus comes or until we die. And we thank you, Lord, that from this day forward, we're going to continue on, not just not in discouragement, in encouragement, not in depression, in joy, not in anxiety, in peace, in Jesus' name. And we thank you for that today. We declared it's a breakthrough. Today's a turnaround. We're not going to continue on in the way that we've always been. We're going higher by the power of your Holy Spirit by the power of your word. We thank you and we give you praise today and glory. You're the only one that can do it, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let me encourage you today. I want to challenge those of you that are watching to sow a seed and partner with Carolyn and with me. We're believing God as we're going around, literally, I'm getting ready to leave for three weeks on Saturday, three more weeks straight on the road, preaching the gospel, seeing people saved, changed by God's power. And I want you to stand with us, and I want you to pray and say, Lord, what could I do in this month of September, to stand with Ted and Carolyn as they're preaching the gospel, as they're seeing people changed and saved by the power of God, what can you do by faith to partner with this ministry and stand with us? Now, I'll tell you what I'm praying. I'm praying that the same blessing that comes on us for preaching it comes on you for sending it. That we're doing this as the Victory Tribe, doing this as the family of God. And so go to miracleword.com, all the ways to give are there. You can do it digitally, uh, you can do it by debit or credit card. And then you, call, you, could, all, you could also, um, if you'd like to, if you have a deep faith somehow in the post office, you can um, you could mail a check. And our, of course, our, our uh, address is at the bottom of every website page that we have. If you have that kind of faith, God bless you. Uh, I don't have that kind of faith. But if you do, then God bless you. Um, but we say thank you. For the month of September, for everybody that is sowing seed, Dr. Michael Brown's book is Our Gift to You Can You Be Gay and Christian? Answering one of the most important questions right now in our culture. There's so much of this uh, perversion that we talked about yesterday. It was Bible prophecy that before Jesus comes, perversion will increase. And now we have churches that are uh, pushing the LGBTQIA agenda, ordaining homosexuals, all kinds of things. Uh, in fact, A Pentecostal denomination recently had a leadership meeting with their regional pastors asking if they should put homosexuals in the children's ministry positions in their churches. And this book, Can You Be Gay and Christian?, will answer from the Bible all of those questions. It's our gift to you this month for those that are sowing. And if you'd like to receive this, go to MiracleWord.com forward slash offer. Let us know where to mail it, and we'll get it out to you as soon as possible. But it will help you a lot. Yeah, that's real. Heidi, that is actually real. The stuff that's happening, you wouldn't even believe it if I told you everything that's going on, but it's happening. It's happening. Um, we don't have the Hagen laugh video. That's, that's, that's part of it. That's part of it. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I wanna end today with uh, this Brother Hagen video because it's so powerful. It makes me laugh every time. It brings joy. These are just clips from their Holy Ghost meetings. Um, I know it'll stir you up, so stick around for this video. Again, tonight I'm in Miami, Trinity Church, 7.30 p.m., Miami, Florida. You can get there, come join us, it's gonna be great. I love you, and uh, I'll see you in the morning, 10.30, same time, have a great day, enjoy this clip. I'll see you later.